Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. podcast brought to you by Breckenridge Brewery. We are running the gang back again. We did it last week. We all talked about how much fun we have when we do shows together. Uh, so we're like, you know what? We'll just run it back. And uh, Well, you guys talk about it. <laughs> I right, mentioned I it to you. <laughs> Andre and I said we'll run it back, and I was like, cool. AJ's in. I'm deciding for him. Uh <laughs> And before the show even got started, all the reasons why we like doing this uh, are already rearing their head. I'm not going to get into it, but we're, <laughs> Wise choice. We're, already, we're already having fun. Did you guys see the, I think it was uh, Rappaport was on, on the field last week at like training camp, at a, at a training camp. And he was talking to the guy off, his like co-host off air. And they, they like get the live feed thrown to him. And whoever was, I don't remember exactly what it was. Whoever was he was talking to, he was like, well, yeah, you know, uh, Rappaport over here thinks that he could da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't really for air, but yes, I guess I did say that. <laughs> like, you tell him it was something where it was like, yo, dude, I was telling you that like, behind the scenes. Like, like come on, man. <laughs> Read the room. Um, so I'm not going to do that to you. But... <laughs> That would be the end of my career. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Holy <man>. stuff. <laughs> no, uh, we're, yeah, we're just here. You know, we're having fun. It's a Wednesday. It's, I, I guess, hump day. I guess we don't really get hump day in our industry, but for everyone else, that's what it is. Uh, last week, we were on the negative side, trying to look at how everyone could be better. Uh, and this week, we're back to just celebrating. The entire point of sports is to score more points than the other team, but not enough guys get enough credit for keeping the other team from scoring points. And that's who we're going to talk about today. There have been oh, yeah. some fantastic defenders that have rolled through uh, the city of Denver, state of Colorado at the pro and collegiate level. Uh, and we're going to get into those today. We're going to talk a little bit about who are the best defenders that have ever come through. See if we can decide on maybe, who the best defender is ever was. Uh, and then there's a lot of people who maybe don't make their way into that top five, top three, but there have been a lot of uh, really fun players to watch on the defensive side of the ball slash puck for uh-huh. some local teams more than others, but we're going to get into um, all of that. But before we get going, 
do either of you have anything just kind of fun to kick this off or should we just, should we just dive right into it? I think the fun can be had diving right in. I think the most controversial for best defender of each teams fall right in our wheelhouse. Yeah. Um, because Rockies Nuggets seems a little more clear cut. As I, I, I might hold your guys' feet to the fire. There might be some recency bias on this one. The only thing I would add is we're presented by Breckenridge Brewery. Check out that Avalanche Ale. Good, 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 yeah. good stuff. I I didn't I didn't give Breckenridge Brewery enough love. You're 100 right. I mentioned them. Uh, use that Breck beer locator, like Andrew said, or like Andre said. Find that Avalanche Ale. Uh, get on down to the bar, the DNVR Bar 2.0, when we get it back rocking and rolling here in just a matter of weeks. You know we'll have all their beers on tap. We'll have their hard hard uh, seltzies at the bar. Uh, there's it's it's summer. Like get go get the lemonade seltzers. That's pretty much all I drink when it's hot out. I don't like the regular seltzers. I need a little bit more. Uh, just not Breckers Brewery, just in general. Mm. And I love that Breck offers the lemonade because yeah. the seltzers stuff. are great. I just need a little bit more sweetness, and Breck comes through with the lemonade uh, seltzies. So use that Breck beer locator. Find out. It seems like they've got them everywhere now. I, I I walk into my King Supers and Safeway and all that stuff, and they're there. So just use that locator. Find them anywhere. You know where they will have all the Breckenridge beer, Celsius, your heart could desire. This Saturday, Broncos tailgate, first one of the year. Be yep. there. Unlimited. All you can drink. And y'all have tried you have never tapped us out of all the drinks we had so we'll see maybe maybe this is the year where you you get it all done but that, is that a preseason challenge to you dnvr community so we'll see I'm gonna gonna say if you're trying to make the preseason matter that's a good way <laughs> set the tone for the entire season by having a preseason game be the one that you drink the house dry <laughs> yeah can you tap us out of uh Breckenridge drinks we'll find out i don't believe you can so yeah uh haven't done it yet so sorry gotta prove you can do it gotta prove you can do it uh speaking of people that can have to prove they can do it that is where we're gonna start at the top of this uh list how much i guess let me ask you a question before we get into the official names in in relativity to that how much does a championship way into where these guys ultimately will fall as we, as we go through this conversation. Does it, does it matter? Does it, are, are we talking about individuals here? So it's not really a matter of what did the teams accomplish? How do you guys feel on this? Do you need a ship to work your way into the top of these types of conversations? I think, I think performance in the postseason, as it does when we talk about things like hall of fame and Mount Rushmore, stuff like that. Um, but I think uh, I think postseason performance, all it does is enhance their their resume. Yeah. You know, uh, some of the guys that we're going to talk about were unbelievable players, um, and they just weren't on very good teams, so they never got a they never got a chance the same chance right. to to perform on the big stage as some of these other guys. Some of these other guys got a chance to perform on the big stage because they were that good at what they did. Mm-hmm. So. As always, a little push and pull, but the postseason performance, look, if there's an exceptional one, it elevates it. If there's a disastrous one, it really hurts the case because, oh, yeah, it's great. But a regular season performer is like the worst thing that a pro athlete's legacy can be. Yeah, it's a fair point. It's a fair point. I, it's It's kind of the ultimate tiebreaker, but I don't think it's what frames the whole conversation. Also, you guys are kind of lucky because I think everyone you would have considered for the abs does have that chip at least <laughs> one. So. Yeah. Easy yeah. enough, right? Um, sure. More comes into play for the Broncos guys, and I'm not going to spoil anything. So, uh, well, let's so let's I actually let's start with the Broncos because I, I agree with you, Dre, that on when you're talking about the abs, and, and, you know, you can get into some recency bias. But I want to start with with two guys that when we first started throwing out this list uh, in our you know in our kind of group chat, you guys both immediately jumped and said these two guys have to be on it, no questions asked. Um, and, and I kind of want to hear where you guys fall when you're talking about them head to head. Von Miller, Champ Bailey. 
These are two guys that you're not dealing with recency bias. Uh, you've had some time to digest their time here in, in Colorado. Uh, Dre, we'll start with you when you step back and look at these two. I mean, are the these are the two best greatest defenders in Denver Bronco history? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, there, there's a lot of guys who we can bring up in the honorable mention section, so I'm not going to spoil that. But yeah. these two stand out above the rest. Um, you know, one's a Super Bowl MVP, Von Miller, obviously. Um, also, highest drafted Bronco. You know, nat- natural drafted. Obviously, yeah. LA and Peyton were. Um, uh, so he kind of has that unique distinction. And Champ Bailey's a, a, a first ballot Hall of Famer, on top <laughs> of being one of the all-decade um, players and really a symbol of that era of Broncos football. Um, and I think you kind of knew this coming, framing it with the playoff <laughs> stuff is Vaughn's best case is going to be that outside of Terrell Davis, you could say maybe, I mean, certainly one of the greatest playoff performers in Broncos history, Um, even though it's a fairly limited sample size, which like that's the playoffs for you. Right. Um, While Champ has that longevity, that consistency, he has that insane stretch of his in – 05 and 06 where he has 18 interceptions in 30 (laughs) games um, for a guy that the ball was never thrown to their first team. All pros are very similar. Champ has the edge three to two their pro bowl appearances champ. This is where his consistency longevity um, stands out. He has uh, 11 to his name that's almost gonna lap vaughn who has um seven if i'm not mistaken and then you know vaughn has the lost season but a lot more team success while champ i just think vaughn in in broncos history is certainly way up there Mm -hmm. but when you talk greatest cornerbacks of all time Versus greatest edge rushers, outside linebackers, um, pass rushers in NFL history. I think Vaughn is just a little lower on the list. Now, Vaughn still has more to go, right? He just capped off a uh, championship season with the Rams and a stellar uh, playoff performance in that run as well. But I'm not totally going to count that because we're more talking within the context of Denver sports. Um, so, man, it's it's a true Sophie's choice. To me, just on instinct, I'd go champ. To me, he was the more consistently great. He's the one who would earn more like all-decade accolades, uh, would be yeah. higher on all-time lists as far as uh you know their positions are concerned um so it's like by the slightest edge i would go champ and i actually think champ more than just about anyone we have talked about you know off air before coming on to this uh you could make a case deserves to sit number one on this list yeah and i'm not sure i could make a stronger case for vaughn as far as that goes. Uh, I like that. I like, I like that last part there. Cause I think that's, that's where your edge is. Right. Um, AJ. Uh, I mean, champ Bailey is the guy that gave us two thirds of the earth is covered by water. And the other third is covered by champ Bailey. <laughs> um, Vaughn didn't give us that shit. <laughs> Vaughn gave, us, Vaughn, Vaughn gave us, you know, the 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 eating greedy sack dance and off season videos with chickens. <laughs> so and a, and a Super Bowl. Super so Bowl. Super Bowl. Yeah, the Super Bowl was good too. Um, he was unbelievable in that run, and 
to to do it against the guys that he did it against. You know, the uh, you go Roethlisberger, Brady, and MVP Cam Newton. I mean. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. Mm-hmm. It's the best, the best of the best there. Yes. Um, I, he really was. He really was special in that run. But Champ Bailey, Champ Bailey had had one of the all time great seasons for his position ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then produced an iconic moment as one of the first guys to really beat Brady to really put the put first a, ever playoff a, loss for Brady Belichick. Yeah, yeah, for. To, to really put that first dent in the armor uh, of of the Brady Belichick, you know, Super Bowl bonanza that those two <laughs> painted, um, and Champ and Champ like he was the kind of the guy he he put the exclamation point on that game, even if he did totally fumble that out the end zone. Yeah. So you know, you you guys you guys both talked about. And, and and I just I do love that this goes immediately into what we were talking about with the championships and because I feel like yeah you remember especially the Super Bowl um, against Carolina try not to remember the one before that uh, and how special Von Miller was in that game let alone on that whole ride. Well, it also uh, goes to show you his importance that Von didn't even play in the other Super Bowl. Right. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. yeah that's a great point, but. You know, you know, it, it, it is interesting because, you know, the other thing that I honestly remember of Vaughn is the little bit of the, the fall off thereafter. Now, some of that was injuries there. You know, there was a lot of things that yeah. went into that, but he, he just he wasn't at that same level. I don't rem- and, and, you know, I'm, I'm digging my brain. I'm sure there's games or two here and there, but like you didn't get that from Champagne. There just wasn't the big drop off in the level of play. It was just so much more. You use the word Drake consistent, and is that maybe what qualifies him as? Like you said g- giving him the edge over over Vaughn. Where, yeah, they were both great. Vaughn maybe had a higher peak, but holy smokes, did Champ Bailey do it for so long? And then I do think your distinction there of you know, where Champ Bailey ranks in terms of cornerbacks relative to where Von Miller ranks in terms of kind of like you said, pick a category, right. edge, edge rusher, whatever, whatever. Um, and AJ, I remember you talked about this with Patrick Waugh a few weeks ago when you guys were doing the numbers one. When you're talking about someone that's possibly the greatest to ever do it at their position, man, is it hard to say that someone who isn't that is better player, better legacy, whatever. Yeah. So... Equally dominant defenses too, like probably Super Bowl 50, 2015, a little, I mean, obviously more dominant, but the 05 defense, uh, very dominant and carries that team to a home AFC championship game that they lose to Big Ben, which has now been brought up twice. Um, (laughs) Sorry, Sorry, everyone. (laughs) Man, it's... It's a tough call. I think Vaughn has the distinction as greatest first rounder in Broncos history. Again, naturally drafted, but um, I just think Champ Champ has the cleaner resume. And I, I'm never a guy. I'm more a peak guy versus longevity. But I think with his peak being similarly as dominant, while the stage might not have been as bright, but similarly mm-hmm. as spectacular and dominant his longevity, like Vaughn can't really mess with. Stayed at the peak longer. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That's another great point. Yeah. Um, I would also say that uh, Champ Bailey also never had a drug suspension. Yeah. Wasn't suspended almost an entire season. Didn't lose like a massive chunk of his prime. That definitely factors into this. No doubt. Yeah. Longevity, right? Like consistency. That's that champ, part of it. champ was year in year out an elite cornerback up until the end of the very end of his career where he didn't have it anymore. Mm-hmm. And he woke up one day and just couldn't, he just couldn't do it. Um, he like what, like went to the saints and like tried to play safety for part of the season. And it was just, it was just done. There was no Charles Woodson second act there. 
Yeah. Um, right. Even was, though lots of people are thinking, oh, we could do that. Like play safety yeah. is such ball hawk, such great instincts. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Um, he was at that point physically, he just didn't have it anymore. If he was going to make that switch, he needed to do it two or three years earlier. But he was just, he was still such an effective cornerback at that point that there was no there was no real need to. Which guy is a higher impact player in a in a lead safety or an elite corner? Yeah. So uh, you know, Champ was Champ was the best of the best, and the the one thing that Vaughn did is spearhead a championship run. No. Like yeah. he was the he was the he was the MVP of that run. Uh there's nobody else that you can make a really good argument for in that in that situation. And Champ didn't have that kind of talent around him. He was on a lot of eight and eight football teams. Yeah. Um but uh you know also that goes to show you like the impact of the position, especially in that era as running backs were still winning MVPs and shit. Mm-hmm. You know, the Sean Alexander into Adrian Peterson, right? Like, yeah. if you're still talking about running games were still dominant in the NFL in a way that they just aren't now. Yeah. Um, and today we look at corners like, oh, my gosh. You know, you've got to have a great corner and you've got to have a great pass rusher. Mm-hmm. Uh, and trying to pick between them, it's real tough. Yeah. Um, because it's like, uh, which one, which, which hall of fame talent do you decide is more important? Uh, it's probably Vaughn. I think, I think it's just positionally a little bit more valuable mm-hmm. because a quarterback not throwing the ball at all is a lot more valuable than him picking on your second or third cornerback. Yes. But I, what champ did, uh, I think, I think champ was better at what he did. What Vaughn did was more valuable. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's maybe maybe this could be a good way to kind of wrap it up. Um, we did decide to omit goalies and pitchers. Yeah. So technically yeah. speaking, what they do is defensive, um, yeah. but they are not technically speaking defenders. And we just didn't want to go down that road and make yeah. this too no. complicated. I took goalies, on I mean, like goalies would be easier to, to, right. to get into than right. pitchers because pitchers yeah. like okay. Whoa! You're telling me run prevention isn't defense? Well, right. it's like <laughs> right. ball, like Jesus Christ, like ball in play here, guy. Right. Um, you know, and like at least goalies, ball is in like ball in play. You know, puck is the puck is there. Uh, they're they're the last line of defense, but they also don't leave the crease. They're only <laughs> defense. Yeah. There's no yeah. other aspect to their game except that time that. Patrick Watt, Deke Gretzky at center ice and Madison. Well, Frank, Frankie likes to get a little lit sometimes, but, um, <laughs> uh, but you know, pulled in Edmonton. He did. As, as, yeah, as you know, AJ, I spent a year to a year and a half of my career life um, coming up with a metric DPR for each position in all the major four sports to kind of establish, like have a unique one to a hundred scale. Um, yeah. And offensive linemen, cornerbacks, pitchers, and goalies all had similar metrics. It's not so much the production you were able to achieve. It's how many mistakes were you able to limit? How many runs? How many goals? How many receiving yards? How many sacks were you able to allow? They have have the same problem in that they can't produce offense. Right. It's this really hard position. 100% 100% reliant, and especially now in baseball mm-hmm. with the DH in both leagues where we can have a universal conversation here, that they could do their job 100% perfectly and still not win the game. Right. And so, of there all has those to be... positions, Champ Bailey is about as perfect in limiting others getting production on him Mm-hmm. As just about, you know, not just the metric, but me as a sports fan with like 25, 30 years of watching this shit. Yeah. I'm not sure I can think of someone who was as immaculate in holding the best of the best at the highest level in his back pocket than Champ Bailey. So that might be the strongest argument I can make. As we said, Vaughn's production more impactful the production yeah. champ limited, which is way harder to grade, though, is yeah. rare. It's, 
It's true because so much of Champ's uh, value is in things that did not happen. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that um, would be my case for Champ. Yeah. I mean, I think, I don't know. I think we're relatively all on the same page that it's probably Champ edging out uh, Von Miller there. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about a couple of <laughs> They're a little bit more clear cut in terms of their actual teams. But we mentioned a minute ago uh, when you're talking about a player who potentially or in the conversation for. Uh, best of all time at their position. You obviously have to give them the floor. Nolan Arenado, and I hate to bring this up on a second straight TDSP uh, with AJ, <laughs> uh, obviously did not end the way that uh, Rockies fans would have wanted. Uh, he's he's still doing his thing uh, in St. Louis, but during his time uh, with the Colorado Rockies, Nolan Arenado, I mean, I don't know... Larry Walker was, was good, uh, you know, on, on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, I, I don't, I don't think the Rockies have ever had anyone that's in the conversation for greatest to ever do it at this position other than Nolan. Tulo had some great moments. There are times where it was like Todd Helton's one of the greatest first basemen of all time. Mm-hmm. Different from playing the hot corner about as good as anyone's. Right. Right. Adrian? Yeah. 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 I mean, Nolan is, um, <laughs> he's going to go and he's going to go into the hall of fame, man. He's going to, he's going to go into the hall of fame. And part of the reason for that is because he's a dominant defender. Yeah. And that's also one reason why I absolutely cackled like a maniac when he overran a ball last night at course field. And, <laughs> Amidst the Rockies shredding the Cardinals, that's it. That's my joy in life. That moment. Um, the rest of the rest of Arenado's career is uh, a dagger in the hearts of all of us who dared to care. So yeah, yeah. He's he was he was that special though in in Colorado, in St. Louis. I mean, he's you start your career with nothing but gold gloves like every year. <laughs> And that's one of those awards where after a while, when you win a couple of them, it becomes a reputation that everybody's just like, wow, no, Naranato. I mean, no, Naranato. He's, yeah, he's that guy, right? But then you would get to the end of the year and you would look at the metrics and you were like, oh, yep, still that guy. Yep, yep he is that guy. Yep, so, he's still that guy. All right, cool, 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 cool. I grew up playing hockey five, six nights a week, watching hockey every bit I could. So I, I've been trained from the time I was young fast pace. I like games that move quick, that there's you know not a lot of stoppages, not a lot of slow. So I've, I've always struggled to like really get into a baseball game. What to me is so fun, so special about Nolan Arenado is that dude makes playing third base electric. Like he would make plays. Obviously I haven't kept up ultra close with what Nolan Arenado is doing for the Cardinals. But you know, when, when he was here with the Rockies, he would make plays that pull you out of your seat. And, and I know a lot of, you know, baseball peers and stuff will probably roll their eyes when I say it, but I, there aren't a lot of those for, you know, casual fans, non-baseball diehards. It's hard to be pulled out of your seat in a baseball game. It's hard and, to be and pulled and no out of your seat by defense, for sure. Right. Yeah. Because, well, like, everybody gets excited about a home run. Everybody gets excited right. about a double that clears the bases or something. But – you don't get too amped up very often about defense, uh, especially when a guy mishits a ball and it's like this dribbler down the third baseline. And you're like, okay. But to your point, Jesse, that Arenado was such a special talent that he turned the dribbler down the third baseline into potential for something memorable because he could just get up there and barehand it and fire that missile across the infield and you were just like come on come on give me give me 27 ground balls to nolan arenado that's what i want i want all 27 outs to be ground balls to nolan arenado that's a great point jesse he might be the leader on this list with the like best defensive highlight package of anyone we're gonna talk about in this oh i don't know man vaughn the sack is they're, a pretty fun thing. They're going to be <laughs> high up there. They might not be as special. Also, you see a sack 
I don't want to say you've seen them all, but there are only so many ways to create a sack differently. Yeah, but one was sacks, built different. But um, sacks come with sack dances. Yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Fair. Well, um, and, and it was just. I mean, it, it was just the way that there there would be time where you know a ball would come off of a, a off of an opposing bat, and just the way it's hit, you think, okay, that's you know that's down the line, that's in between second and third. You know, that's good for a base, at least maybe two. And no one would just make these unbelievable diving plays. And then the, the one to me that always, and, and this is a lot of, it's a lot in baseball, but there was something about the way that Nolan did it. It was like you said, it was a missile and it was right here for whoever he was throwing it to every time. It just, it, it feels like, or it felt like you never had to see guys really reaching for balls that, that Nolan were throwing. It was just the accuracy, the speed. I'm sorry. Um. Yeah, it, it was it was it was electric to to watch him here, and it's that's why, like you said, it it's such a dagger to talk about it. The number of times that that guy flashed in front of a Gold Glove caliber shortstop to make a play <laughs> that no other third baseman in baseball was even trying to make because they're like, that's a Gold Glove shortstop. He's got, <laughs> and he would flash in front of that dude and be like, nah. This mine, yeah. Like he's just—he is. Uh, he, what sucks? What's what sucks is that Ryan Ryan, Ryan McMahon is a really good defensive third baseman, and it feels like he's human, and Nolan is still that guy sitting on the moon. Yeah, like he just was on a—he was in a—he was just on a different level, and yeah. like Ryan McMahon is a great defensive third baseman and there's still the gap there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's tough. We can stop talking about him because I can feel everyone it, getting collectively sad. Uh, it just Honestly, sad. it would have been easier to go from Nolan Arenado to like a true, like butcher in the field where you're just like, ah, this guy's a fucking bum, yeah, he sucks. you know, and you could have just moved on and you're like, whatever. But instead, you have a very good third baseman, and you're still just like, <sighs> yeah, it's just not that good. Nuggets, uh, I think it's going to be a little bit tougher. Um, they just they don't have anybody. The Kembe Matumbo is who uh, you know we all kind of talked and, and agreed that's probably uh, who's, who's number one on, on that list. But they just don't they don't have. You know, even once we're going to get to the abs here, yeah, you, you maybe have a little bit of recency bias, but even throw that out. And I mean, you've got Hall of Fame defenders, numbers retired, stuff like that. And the Nuggets just don't really have much uh, in terms of that conversation. Now, I'm sure if Adam was on our show, he'd be telling me what an idiot I am. But um, but I think he would say it's a team that went from ABA high scoring, like just a different league, to Dugmo super high scoring, like. It, the Nuggets have just built most of their, their best eras around high-scoring, high-octane offenses to take advantage of the altitude, run and gun, and sacrificing defense to some extent. We're honestly lucky we even have Mutombo to talk about, or else <laughs> no one would really be worthy of this conversation. Right. Um, For the record. Andy's kind of second on that list. Two. Yeah. Two Nuggets players have won NBA's Defensive Player of the Year. Um, Dikembe Mutombo won it uh, in yeah in uh, 94-95 when they made that crazy fun run, and then Marcus Camby won it in two thousand six two thousand seven. So so there you go. So, I forgot that. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. so I mean, so there's the two guys that we just listed, and again, it's not that they aren't good players; they weren't great players. He said. The, both NBA Defensive Player of the Year. I just don't know if even Dikembe Mutombo is in that conversation with some of these guys that we are talking about, in that tier. I guess I should say. I, I think differently. I I, I think uh, he's in the Hall of Fame. Like, and I think yeah, that yeah, like yeah. he would have been Four Defensive Player of the Year awards is like way up there. I think it's him and Ben Wallace are like the only guys in that elevated yeah. air maybe there's some recent guys like rudy starting to inch up in there but yeah it's the, just that it, award means less <laughs> he just wasn't in denver 
for all of that. If you yeah. put the entire thing yeah. together, yeah. If you put the whole resume together, uh, you could, you would, you if you put his Denver and Atlanta ten years, and if all of that happened in Denver, you have a great Dikembe Mutombo argument. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because that would have been all of his defensive player of the year awards. Uh, he was he was a dominant shot blocker in an era of great shot blockers, in an era of great centers. I mean mm-hmm. that was that was Dikembe Mutombo, uh, Hakeem Olajuwon, Shaquille O'Neal, Alonzo Mourning. I know I'm David forgetting Robinson. David yeah. Robinson. Thank you, um, Patrick Ewing. Like mm-hmm. a great era of centers, mm-hmm. and he was. He was the best there. For my big, my big thing is that he just he just wasn't, wasn't in Denver here. that long. Yeah, yep. I mean, I, I remember growing up. Most of what I knew as a Nuggets fan for the first like thirteen years of my life was my Italian father who lived in Colorado for ten years before we moved, telling me like, "Yeah, Mutombo was the best player we had, and we just couldn't retain him." It was like a sadder, shorter version of what we just lamented over Nolan. Um, Like, it's just, it doesn't feel as raw 30 years later. I don't know. I can't do the math (laughs) from 95, 27 years later. Um, And and yeah, the the peaks were never like really that high. Rookie of the year, though, he does get that one defensive player. He has one of those iconic moments where they upset the Sonics in the first round as the one seed and then almost pull it off against the Jazz Force in seven in the very next round, which is always forgotten. So there are some memorable moments. Dikembe Mutombo laying on his back, holding the ball, celebrating when they beat Seattle, is one of Denver's greatest, like most iconic sports moment of all time. And that's even with six championships considered. Right, because right. I don't think that there's an iconic moment from the second Super Bowl, uh, the the win over the Falcons. There was a bunch of them from the first. I don't know that I don't know that there's like a real like an iconic moment from the first Avs Cup run. Uh, maybe maybe just Uwe Krupp's cup clinching right. goal in overtime is kind of like that moment, right? Yeah. Uh, but but then you you know you get, I think these last couple of championships, you know the. This one's for John and the helicopter, but then this one's for Pat, and then mm-hmm. and then you have Landy and that group, like that core group that that lifted it up. And maybe it's maybe it's more iconic to me than it will be in Denver because of how close I've been to the group as they developed and as they grew up. Um, so it'll it'll go down as more iconic to me. But the Matumble with the basketball, it will forever be one of like the Denver sports moments in my lifetime that I think of when I think iconic Denver sports moments that, that Matumbo on the, on his back with the basketball. Like I remember that I'm going to remember that as much as anything until anything else nuggets related until Jokic and Murray lead them to a chip. For sure. That's up there, man. No doubt. I do just have to mention the one iconic moment that you left out is the Sackick passing the cup to Bork. Oh, sorry. That was I, yeah. I, like, I, I, I think it was flew right <laughs> by it because I'm like, this is like one of the top three iconic sports moments ever in my yeah, yeah. opinion. So I just like, just jumped right through it. But yeah, you're totally, totally right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a good point. There's, there's been a, um, a lot of fun, iconic moments, and I agree with you, AJ, on this year's Avs team. I, I thought there was a bunch of uh, iconic moments. Um, if you guys haven't already heard, uh, another iconic moment is this entire summer because it's smooth sack summer. We talked about it last week. I know AJ's just been prepping for it for the last seven days leading up to this show. Uh, People be you know, holding... AJ sack up like Mutombo, just like yeah, yeah, yeah. In their eyes. Yeah, just, just that's how iconic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, me uh, myself. I'm sorry. <laughs> when you're playing in the summer sun, make sure you are escaped from the pubes to the bum. That's right. This is the summer to keep your balls cool while still looking hot with Manscaped. 
the leader in below the belt grooming is making sure we all have a ball <laughs> Hong Kong this summer uh, by giving our pants partners everything they need to stay fresh. Let's say from the from the what from the pubes to the to the bum pubes to the bum yeah. yeah. So you know, launch, just all in launch, launch pad to trash hole. Got yeah, it. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Satan's driveway, whatever you want to call it. Uh, uh, dive head first into smooth sack summer by going to manscaped.com uh, for 20% off plus free shipping. When you use our code DNBR, uh, Manscaped performance package 4.0 has everything you need uh, to prepare that summer bod inside the package, you'll find the lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker, ear and nose uh, trimmer, crop preserver, ball deodorant, uh, crop reviver toner, uh, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold all of it. Uh, their lawnmower 4.0 tr- trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents, which everyone's been there. Thank goodness. Uh, thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. Lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor, multifunction on-off switch, uh, and it gives you the ability to use uh, their LED light on there. So no longer have to guess. It'll always be per- uh, precision, a precision shave. And by the way, I haven't mentioned yet, it's waterproof. <laughs> In the shower, at the lake, or like Agent and I were talking about last week, if you're just out at the beach with your boys, you're needing to trim it up. Yes, you can take it there too. Uh that's what you brought the boys for is to help, obviously. Yeah. Why why else would you teamwork have a, makes the dream work? Right. Why else would you have a waterproof uh lawnmower 4.0 trimmer if you weren't bringing the boys to the beach uh to help you out? Uh, I mean, it, you gotta do that thing underwater, otherwise. Yeah, there's just otherwise you're getting hair all over yourself. Now it's all the beach towel. It's it, the it's kids at the other end of the beach are not gonna appreciate that. They don't want to see that. that. Yeah, you're not trying to you're not trying to get in trouble out there. Thank God Manscaped has you covered. Get 20% off and free shipping with that code DNVR at manscaped.com. Again, 20% off your order plus free shipping when you use the code DNVR at manscaped.com. It's smooth sack summer, boys. Uh Get on board or get left behind. We're on board. We're not getting left behind. Uh, so, you know, get on board with us. Also brought to you guys by our good friends over at DraftKings. You can get it on the hottest. Oh, 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 oh. New read. Say, New read on. alert. No, no, I went. Oh, okay. I had a parlay proposition, you guys, from DraftKings. So you tell me when I can do that. Okay, yeah, we'll do this, and then I'm going right to you. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah, get in on all the hottest sports action uh, this summer. Get your shot at cold hard cash with DraftKings Sportsbook. Bet on all your favorite sports teams all summer long and gear up for football season, which, as we just said, preseason kicks off this weekend. Uh, right now, new customers can get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. Just make sure your first bet up to 1000 Just make your first bet, excuse me, up to $1,000. And if it doesn't hit, you will get another shot at a big win. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, props, all your betting, your options are endless. You can do anything on DraftKings. Uh, best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit, withdraw your cash whenever you want. I say it every time I do this read. That is my favorite part. There's a few apps out there that make you get to a minimum dollar amount all kinds of stuff. DraftKings, you can take your money whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use code DNVR. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. Again, that is code DNVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only, new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit, risk-free bet paid out in the form of a non-withdrawable free bet token. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. And of course, if you have a gambling problem, you're here in Colorado, call 1-800-522-4700. Dre, what's your parlay? Yeah, DraftKings has a pre-built parlay for you. Avs to win the West, which is just plus 170 right now. Like, it's almost even money. It's disgusting. Um, Parlayed with the Rangers to win the East. All of a sudden, you Ooh. add that one leg to the parlay. It goes from plus 170 to plus 2870. 
is that enough value to be added on? AJ, you're making faces already. You hate that Rangers pick. My case would be Tampa can't go four for four, and they're the one team that could have a hot goalie that like stands a chance. To equalizer. Yeah. Yeah, Igor Sturkin's a bum. He's gonna fall apart. <laughs> Let's go. Okay, we're out then. That's I've That's got here. I've got the Rangers missing the postseason. Really? Yeah. Wow, I almost just pivoted this into a full DNVR app show. I was like, all right, to hell with the rest of this. We're talking about that. Mm. Great topic for now. I know I know what Monday's show is. Way too early predictions. Uh Wow. Plus two I was actually miss the playoffs. Nice juice. I was actually I was gonna I was gonna pump your tires on that one, Dre. If if there's anyone like I'm I'm not betting against Andre Vasilevsky or Igor Shesterkin right now, but AJ coming in with the hammer. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> You've given me much uh, to think about, AJ. Well, I mean look after I manscaped, I got to use the hammer on something. <laughs> it's just, it's too smooth. It's too smooth. I can't just let it sit there going unused. Oh, what I'm wow. saying, man, I just look down and it's just sitting there. Please do something. I'll make so, here. so I dropped it. <laughs> um, oh, wow. You totally made my loser. Made me lose my train of thought on that one. Uh, Greatest defenders in Avs history? Yes. Well, so I was going to say, I don't normally pick against Andre Vasilevsky, but I did about six weeks ago, and it uh, it paid off. A lot of it was led by the next guy we're going to talk about here. You, you mentioned recency bias, and that's absolutely a factor, especially when you run down some of the defenders that the Avs have uh, had wear their uniform, uniform before. Um, but we just talked actually a little bit about Kale McCarr uh, on the Ab show, just a little. And, and one of the things that we kept bringing up or that, that came up when, when we were talking about it is this is a guy that's potentially like he, he has the potential to be uh, change the way we view the position, change, you know, change the way the league looks at, at defenders um, very, very early in his career. He's he's on a track. He's 23, 24 years old. He's got a long way to go. He is on the track to be in the conversation for the greatest defenseman of all time. Having said all of that, AJ, going to start with you. Is that enough to, on a list right now, put him ahead of the likes of, you know, without going too far down the list, because we're going to get into some of these honorable mentions here, but let's just use Rob Blake, because that is someone that maybe we go to a lot. Has Kale McCarr done enough to put himself ahead of Rob Blake uh, in terms of Denver sports? I think so. Um, I, I think when you're – it's realized potential. Like we talk about, oh, he could be this, he could be that. Look what he's done. Three years yeah. in the NHL. Okay, three years in the NHL. He's won a Calder. He's finished second in the Norris. He won the Norris. He won a Consumite. He won a Stanley Cup. <laughs> No, that's some TD shit. He's like, that's one of the great three-year stretches. And, and to be honest with you, this you say that, you're not incorrect, but we don't know what comes next for him. Yeah. This last year could be the first year of the truly great three-year stretch where he wins three Norris trophies and another Con Smythe and another Cup or, you know, we don't know. Maybe he completely falls apart and it turns out we've all been wrong and he's a total bum. But what he's done so far, yeah. I would say that I would I would already take his accomplishments, uh, his level of play, his impact on the game. I, I would take it over all those other guys. I mean, so, Rob, Rob Blake still needed, uh, you know, Ray, Rob Blake and Ray Bork were great. Adam Foote was great. Eric yeah. Johnson was pretty good. These guys have all – there have been some greats in, in, in Avalanche history, but none of them reached the, the highs in an Avalanche sweater because if you're talking about beyond that, obviously Blake and and especially Bork. Bork's mm. the career. I think Bork is the kind of career that Kale McCarr is chasing. Extremely prolific, prolific offensively. A ton of games played. A bunch of Norris. A, just a just – a wall-to-wall career of accomplishment. 
for Ray Bork. That's the career that Kale McCarr is chasing, but that's the career he has started mm-hmm. in Colorado, where he has won those things already. Uh, and he's 23 years old, so we're just getting started. So I, I was just about to say, as you're running down that, and, and you guys want to help me fill in the blanks here. At 23, is he the most decorated Denver athlete on this list? Or does Vaughn maybe have him beat out by like a, a, a an individual award here and there? No, no, I mean, no, like no. A, a, a rookie of the year, a top defenseman, playoff MVP and a championship in his first four years in the league. Like, I, I don't know if he, he may already be the most decorated player we have on this list in, in, in an abs uniform. At 23. Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. Like Va- Vaughn at best had two of the four you just listed off um, at 20. Yeah. Obviously, so he entered the league basically at 23. So it's not saying right. Vaughn. Hold on, I'm counting. But, I mean, you just listed Vaughn's entire career achievement in his whole tenure <laughs> at Denver, and Kale achieved that at 23. That's not even getting into the, you know, the college stuff, which is even more insane. Right, right, Vaughn, yeah. So Vaughn has a defensive rookie of the year and eight Pro Bowls, and he's on the postseason all-pro uh, team first or second team uh, six times. Mm-hmm. Uh, first team yeah. just three times. And then he has the Super Bowl MVP. And a Super Bowl MVP. But, I mean, again, that's eight years to achieve what Kale did in three. Right. Well, and, and the part that I – one of my, like, favorite, uh, like, trick questions, this was Kale McCarr's first full season. Like we we forget that a lot because he had the he came in in the playoffs COVID shortened year COVID shortened year this was his first eighty two game season and uh, I mean he set all kinds of records for point production for, you know individual seasons he's climbing he's like rapidly ascending the ranks for goals assists and points uh, you know Avalanche franchise history on, as a defenseman um, he he really is I, I think AJ maybe put it best we have to see what comes next. Cause these first three, three years, three point, like two, if you count the playoff uh, run, I, I mean, maybe the best three years for an individual. Yeah. Like you said, since Terrell Davis for, for a Denver athlete. Yeah. When Terrell Davis was, he finished top three in MVP voting for two years, won the MVP had a 2000 yard season, was the offensive player of the year, and then also won a Super Bowl MVP in that time. With a Super Bowl record that has yet to be beaten while dealing with a migraine headache that kept him out for a quarter and a half. Yeah, um, and he accomplished yeah. all that by the time he was 26. Yeah. So pretty – and awesome. but difference is that he started his career at 23. Yeah, right. Right. So, I mean – Wow. Just based on what you just listed, I mean, there's a lot of people that are already starting to talk about Kale McCarr potentially can, could potentially put himself in the conversation for MVP next year for a heart trophy. I think if he does that, then I mean like Kale McCarr kind of puts himself into a different tier of, of Uh Denver athlete Uh at that point where you're not just talking about greatest defenders. He kind of like ascends that list at that point. Um, But uh, you know, it, it, it is hard to, to rank him right now. Cause again, we try not to look too much at the longevity, but you go back to the, what started this conversation in champ Bailey. And it's like, ah, it's been unbelievable. What McCarr's done, but you, you just, you have a hard time putting him ahead of someone who's it, who's in obviously different sports, but in the hall of fame, the yeah. champ Bailey's already in the pro football hall of fame. So it's just, it's hard to sit here and say this, this player who is, like we just said, accomplished an unbelievable amount in his first three seasons. Um, it's just, it's mentally hard to get yourself there in terms of this person surpasses hall of fame level players this early. My only pushback on Kale's nomination as like just unanimous top abs defender of all time already is mm-hmm. how much in this conversation of top defender is his offensive game 
actually putting them over the top. Because thus far, we haven't really had to get into it. We, we never even had to mention any Nolan Arenado slash lines. No one brought <laughs> up Mutombo's rebounding numbers or anything he did offensively because that's just yeah. going to hurt his case. We, while we <laughs> framed the Vaughn versus Champ, no one was talking about translating defense to offense who had more pick sixes or sack recoveries for touchdowns, shit like that. That's a great point. But, I mean, Kale wasn't even playing on the PK for most of the his. Yeah. Like, that's a very recent development. Up, up until this year. Right. Yeah, up, up until they made a Stanley Cup run. Right. <laughs> and he became just, part of a unit that locked it the fuck down and stopped giving roles. Right. I, yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. The, the kid's just a freak, so everything's, like, outlandish. But could you make a case that at least – at this point in their careers, the body of work from an Adam Foot in his own blue line is more impressive, or Rob Blake, or Ray Bork, um, than Kale, so, who really is an offensive defenseman. I mean, that is what he brings to the table. That's the appeal. That's the like Bobby Orr of the 2000s that he brings to the table. So I think, and for me, and AJ, I'll be curious to hear what you think on this. For, for me, a lot of what you're talking about is what makes Kale McCarr special and stand out is he's, I mean, pro- prolific offensive producer from the back end already at this point in his career. Um, and typically in hockey, in the NHL, with the exception, you know, since Bobby Orr, that has usually come with the trade-off of, yes, but they aren't great in their own end. They aren't great killers, uh, you know, you know, penalty killers. That's where Kale McCarr, even amongst just hockey circles, has started to separate himself, is his defensive impact, while it maybe isn't quite as great as his offensive. Right. His, his ability. So that's not safe. Right. Yeah. Right. He he is kind of an anomaly in terms of he's an elite high-end defenseman in the same way that he's an elite high-end point producer from the back end. Um, again, maybe they aren't exactly equal to each other, but that's it's part of what makes him a bit of a unicorn here through these first three years is he, he's not a liability in, in the back end. I will, I will confidently say this and personally invite anybody – to meet me in Temecula if they wanted to agree. But if Kale McCarr, if you don't consider Kale McCarr's offensive ability for one single second, he is still a top 10 defenseman in the NHL, and he's on every single top pairing in the league. If he is, if you only, if he stopped skating at center ice on every single shift after his team broke the puck out, and it was just defense. It was just defense for him. He would still be a top pairing defenseman in the NHL, and uh, on on every single team, all thirty two teams. Yeah. So the the offense, I think, is what puts him over the top in this conversation. Yeah. Is what is what drives a lot of it. But the idea that Kale McCarr is not also an elite defender. Uh, is only pushed by people who don't know what they're talking about. That isn't to say he's a finished product and that he doesn't have room for improvement. He does. There are things that I would like for him to get better. Uh, we we were robbed of an iconic Nathan McKinnon moment against the St. Louis Blues because Kale McCarr was too weak defending front of the net uh, and in the dying moments of the game. A goofy-ass bounce also helped, but he loses his man. He lost his man on a number of occasions in front of the net during their postseason run. It's not that he's perfect. No defender is, though. Right. Especially when you're talking about defense, which is all about the prevention of things happening to you. Things yeah. are going to happen to you eventually. It's an, 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 an inevitability. And with Makar, it's just that he does such an exceptional job of limiting it and then combining it with his ability to drive it the other direction. Yeah. When you look at those two things, you consider the competition that he's playing against because it's not like they're sneaking him out there against fourth lines and being like, <laughs> my evil plan. Yeah. They're throwing him out there against the Connor McDavid's of the world. And they're saying, 
Go break even. Go break even with Connor freaking McDavid. <laughs> okay. And he does. He, he holds up his end of the deal consistently. He holds up his end of the deal. That's who he is. He's that guy. The the other part of it too, because I agree with you in terms of you take away the scoring and he's still so unbelievably high end. The, the skating too. I, I mean, he's a his ability to skate, his ability to move. In my opinion, Connor McDavid's the only player that kind of floats the way that he does. And it just it it. You go back to the Rob Blake, Ray Bork, Adam Foot era. <laughs> being uh, being uh, swift-footed was not a defenseman's forte. They were not skaters. Oh, look I mean, at look at the the smooth skating offensive defenseman that was on the O one defense. Everybody hated Martin Skula. Yeah, hated him. Yeah, that guy ended up having a great career, a, a good career. Yeah, yeah, very solid. Um, lost Dre here. He was getting pretty pixely, froze up a bit. Um, Hammer had to go to work. Yeah, I was going to say, and then his Manscaped package showed up, so he had to bail. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming he'll be jumping back in here at some point. Um, I mean, we ought to be pretty close to being yeah, wrapped up on this. So what I was actually going to do is I was going to have everyone go through and give their one real honorable mention that, man, this is a guy who I think could crack the top five. Um, we just we have, we have such good conversation with this stuff when you, me, and Dre get together that we want to be able to list off a couple guys from CU, CSU, um, stuff like that. But, yeah, we just kind of ran out of time. Do you have anyone, AJ? And, and if Dre can't jump back on, then, then you and I will go and – uh, we'll get out of here, but do you have anyone um, that you say, man, I really do think could be on this list, should be on this list? Yeah, I think uh, it's especially true if he signs a second contract in Colorado and things keep going how they have. Uh, but I think Devon Tapes has the chance to put himself in this conversation mm -hmm. um, because he's been nothing but special since... Uh, since his arrival in Denver, but uh, if it ends up just being four years, it's tough to tough to. Uh, again, Matumbo was here for five, so um, <laughs> it's that's a that's a it's just a tough go when you're not here for very long. So uh, I would I would say, look, Randy Gratishar probably should be in the Hall of Fame. The hard part here is I never watched that dude play. Is before I was born. I don't have any personal stake in this one. All I know is what all the old head tell me, which is that Randy <laughs> Gratishar was absolutely devastating. I believe them. So yeah. um, if I if I'd had more of a personal experience there, I might I might stand harder for the for for Gratishar. But he absolutely deserves mention. And then the one guy the the one guy that I'm pretty serious about. Uh, giving giving a shout out to at this point, uh, dude. Steve Atwater was an absolute maniac. Um, yeah, that was entire, the first name that you threw out when we were putting together the list. My entire childhood was Steve Atwater just murdering dudes. <laughs> and if if it wasn't for Terrell Davis, uh, I've I've always maintained Terrell Davis Super Bowl MVP against the Packers. If Steve Atwater does not drop the interception that he drops. You could have absolutely made an ironclad case for Steve Atwater that day. Because if you go back and you rewatch Packers Broncos Super Bowl 32, Steve Atwater decimates that offense. He is all over the field. He is in Brett Favre's kitchen the whole game. He wreaks absolute havoc in that game. And his finishing touch is knocking three guys out on the last drive. <laughs> one hit. Himself, his teammate, and Robert Brooks. So, so for he and he's he's in the Hall of Fame too. So another guy pretty freaking good. For all those reasons you just listed for Atwater. A lot of them are my same reasons for Adam Foot is my 
honorable mention. And I think I talked about it on the Av show a couple of weeks ago. My favorite thing about, and that's what we're talking about here. My favorite thing about watching old Adam foot highlights is just, it's just great defensive stop after great defensive stop, stick work, physicality, the play in front of the net. You know, he very rarely, we were just talking about Kale McCarr getting outworked in front of the net. He never said that about Adam foot. Um, and, and, and I grew up, you know, I grew up a defenseman, you know, in that era of when those guys were pros. And I just remember watching so much of Adam foot and just having such an appreciation for exactly what you said, just the stuff that he did that it was so easy to keep an eye on Peter Forsberg and Joe Sackick and, uh, Milan Hayduk and Patrick Waugh and that, that the stuff that Adam foot did, he, he was, he was truly one of those like unsung heroes that without Adam foot, so much of the great stuff at the other end never happens because if Adam foot doesn't make that play 45 seconds earlier or whatever, um, and you know, there, just, there aren't a lot of guys in pro sports history. There are some, but not a ton who have their jerseys retired by an organization and are not in the hall of fame. Yeah. Yeah. And that I think, tells you and i think is this a point making it kind of tells you just how valuable he was to this franchise mm-hmm. um in that in that heyday and and i think he was one of those guys that when they announced they were retiring his number there were some people like oh well why but anybody that really watched that that early that first era of avalanche hockey everyone understood like it made sense um i the- just 2001 Stanley Cup run. Look, go back and watch that series against the St. Louis Blues, and yeah, their best their best offensive player was Keith Kachuk, and you know what he did in that series with Adam Foot going one on one against him all series long. And you dick, whole bunch of nothing, whole bunch of nothing. But yeah, so like you said, it's it's one of those things <laughs> for all your reasons with Atwater. I do just have like the <sighs> Adam Foot just like speaks to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Rob Blake, all those guys, you know, they're, they're, they're all, they're all good, but Adam Foote's the one guy I wanted to make sure we got on there. Well, yeah, so we lost Dre. So we are going to go ahead and get out of here. AJ and I have been potting for like four and a half straight hours. So, uh, I think we're good. <laughs> uh, we'll be back at it on TDSP next week. Uh, we're going through the off season here. We're getting ready to get, obviously football starts this weekend. Uh, so we'll have some more Bronco centric shows. We're going to be talking about the Rapids. We're going to be talking about CU, CSU as their football seasons get going. Um, so we are, we're coming out of this dark period. Uh, there's like three weeks here for pro sports where all you have is uh, the MLB, which is great. But when you're coming off of NHL playoffs, NBA playoffs, uh, it can be kind of a letdown. So we're getting, we're coming out of it. Keep, uh, keep it tuned into TDSP. AJ and I will be on the DNVR Avalanche podcast uh, tomorrow uh, doing a Q&A show. So if you're listening to this uh, today, which is Wednesday, get your questions in for uh, tomorrow's DNVR Avalanche show uh, on Thursday. Andre, AJ, I'm Jesse. This is the Denver Sports Podcast. We'll talk to you guys all next time.